podcast land. You have set you down once again to Combat Sports and Rhino, episode 114. It's about how bigger the lead as I tend to do. My guest, going 10 rounds with Rhino today, Bellator featherweight Pam Bam Sorensen is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds with Rhino. So, our intro and our schedule is as follows. We have got a jam-packed episode of CSWR today. We are going to have our coverage of the main and co-main event from last night's Bellator 274, the winner of the Kell Brook and Amir Khan boxing match, the entire breakdown of UFC Vegas 48, Drea's world-famous drop of the night, picks for UFC Vegas 49, Q&A with the Rhino Gang, and then the aforementioned Bellator 145-er, uh, Pam Sorensen is going to go. It's a really fun 10 rounds with Rhino. She's fighting Kat Zingano in a few weeks. We, we talk about that uh, and a whole slew of other things. Hope you guys stay tuned for that. So without further ado, Drea, let's get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. Just real quickly, the um, the big boxing match from yesterday from over in England was Kel Brook versus Amir Khan at 149-pound catchweight. Um, I thought Amir Khan was going to, you know, it was going to be a close fight, but I thought Amir Khan was going to win via decision, and fuck was I wrong, which is a theme that will continue for the rest of this show for my predictions from yesterday. So Amir Khan uh, got his ass whipped by Cal Brook. Cal Brook knocked him down several times, ended up getting the TKO in the sixth round, so big win for Cal Brook over there in England at 149-pound catchweight over Amir Khan. Moving into Bellator 274 from Connecticut, our co-main event, Andre Korzhev beat Chase Rincontour by a beautiful spinning back kick. So if you guys haven't seen that one, look it up because it is nice. So you got the TKO in the first, and then Logan Storley beat Neiman Gracie by unanimous decision after five. So they win the full 25, beat Neiman Gracie in the main event at Bellator 274. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our UFC Vegas 48. We're going to start, obviously, with our prelims. The first fight was Mario Bautista versus Jay Perrin, making his UFC debut. Mario Bautista and Jay did a good job early, uh, both of them using their boxing. Probably about mid to late first round, Mario started to really pull away. Leg kicks. Um, he, he, he actually had a couple of really nice jumping knees that landed some good scrambles, but it was really all Mario from the, for the majority of the fight, giving him the clear cut unanimous decision in that one, moving into 145 pounds in our first of three Rhino gang fighters on the card, Jonathan Pierce versus the very highly touted Christian Rodriguez, Jonathan Pierce, um, you know, his goal every time is to get you to the mat and smother you. And that's exactly what he did. Christian Rodriguez clearly to me looked better on the feet for the few times he was able to get some shots off. But man, this was Jonathan Pierce either doing clinch work or getting on top and then scrambling around riding Christian as he tried to scramble and get out of it. Jonathan Pierce did a great job of getting the fight to the ground with his beautiful takedowns and then keeping it on the ground for the majority of the fight, giving him the very clear cut unanimous decision. So Rhino gang, 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 Jonathan Pierce, JSP with the big win UD over Christian Rodriguez. All right, let's get into our third fight, which was uh, also a Rhino gang member, Jesse Strader versus Chad Anglinger. <clears throat> Jesse Strader looked great in the early fight, early part of the fight. He was landing a beautiful four and five punch combinations, particularly to the body. Chad was really kind of moving away. I thought Jesse Strader clearly won the first round. In the second, I thought Chad was landing a little bit better and was being a little bit more aggressive, and I gave him the second. In the third, I thought Jesse Strader, after that takedown, was going to kind of secure the win. But, oh, no, he came in to throw something, and Chad Angler threw a beautiful hook, which spun Jesse Strader down. 
uh, Chad jumped on him, you know, finished up with a little bit GMP. So yeah, it was a, it was a good fight. It was a fun, closely contested fight. Jesse Strader got dropped at the end. Chad Allinger got the third round TKO at 135 pounds. Moving into our fourth fight, we had Diana Balbita versus Gloria DePaula. The, most of this fight, um, when they were in the middle, it was some really clean technical boxing for both of these ladies. Uh, you know, both were landing one twos, both were throwing a couple of overhand rights. Gloria DePaula, you know, she had more of the success of pushing Diana Balbita up against the cage, but she wasn't doing a whole lot. When she was there, I thought Diana Balbito won this fight three rounds or uh, two out of the three rounds, but the uh, judges saw fit to give it to Gloria DePaula. So she got the unanimous decision in that one at 115 over Diana Balbita. All right, moving into our fifth fight, we had Mark Striegel versus Chaz Skelly. Um, Chaz really had his way with Mark Striegel. This wasn't, I, I'm not a Chaz Skelly fan, and it sounds like he's retiring, but he got the, uh, he had a really nice knee. That landed on Mark's chin in the second round, put him down, a little bit of GMP, finished it out. So that's it for Chaz Kelly's career, it sounds like. So we'll move on to the sixth fight. <laughs> With was our girl, Jesse Jess, Jessica Rose Clark versus Stephanie Egger. Um, Jessica Rose Clark, you know, started the fight. And then Stephanie, Stephanie like, really quickly got the clinch. Um, Jesse reversed it, you know, got up. But then Egger, with a beautiful judo throw back to the ground, she was throwing some GMP, landing some nice stuff. And then when Jesse tried to get out, she transitioned to an arm bar and submitted her very early in the first. So submission to the first round for Stephanie Egger over Jessica Rose Clark at 135. Moving into our seventh fight, this was a good one. We had Gabriel Benitez versus David Anama. And this one was Benitez ripping early body shots. Then a big left hand hurt David Onama. But then Onama came back with such a beautiful, crisp, hard combo really took Gabriel Benitez out up against the cage, down and out, big win, KO in the first for David Onama. Wow, what an impressive what an impressive fight for him at 145 pounds. Moving into our eighth fight, we had Abdul Razak Al-Hassan versus Joaquin Buckley. Now, <clears throat> Drea was on the camp of Joaquin Buckley, who's a two-time Drea's Drop of the Night winner, going to go out there and just do what he does, explode and knock out Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I thought the opposite. I thought Joaquin Buckley was going to come in a little bit wild, and with Abdul Razak Al-Hassan's incredible power, he was going to knock Joaquin Buckley out, neither of which happened. <laughs> because <laughs> Joaquin Buckley was very elusive. He was sticking and moving. Yeah, he did a few of his spinning back kicks, and, you know, but mostly it was punching in combination, and Abdul Razak Al-Hassan was really looking for that one big power shot that really never happened. Um, in the third round, so Joaquin Buckley clearly won the first two in my book. Uh, in the third round, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan took Joaquin Buckley down and landed some nice ground and pound, kept top control. So he clearly won the third, but it wasn't enough to, you know, for me, that because I thought clearly Joaquin Buckley won the first two. So Joaquin Buckley got the unanimous decision. Oh, I'm sorry, it was a split decision. But to me, it was pretty clear cut. Joaquin won the first two over uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan at 185 pounds. Moving into our ninth fight, we had Jim Miller. Oh, man. Jim Miller. I feel like I've been watching him since I was in high school, dude. <clears throat> Versus newcomer Nicholas Mota. A big right hand um, hurt Jim from Mota, but he seemed to get his wits about it with his veteran savvy. Uh, was landing some beautiful inside leg kicks and then a, 
Oh, my gosh. What a beautiful hook drop Mota. A little bit of GMP for the finish. So Jim Miller gets the big TKO in the second over Nicholas Mota at 155 pounds. All right, moving into our 10th fight, we had Parker Porter versus Alain Boudot. Now, again, I, I thought this one was going to be a quick fight. It didn't end up that way. I thought Parker Porter um, did a good job of pressing Alain up against the cage, but not doing a ton when he was there. I thought when they were at space, Alain Badeau's kicks and his uppercuts, that landed really nicely a couple times. I thought that actually gave him the advantage and he was going to win, but uh, the judges saw fit to give Parker Porter the UD in that one. Not the most exciting fight, and yes, more ammunition for all the heavyweight haters to spew <laughs> their venom, which I had to look at and endure, but yeah, I kind of agree with him on that one. Not a great fight, but good win for Parker Porter. Moving into our co-main event, this one was a quick one. Kyle Dawkins versus Jamie Pickett, dude. Early takedown for Kyle. There was some clinch work, and then he slapped on uh, the he slapped on the choke, tapped Jamie Pickett out literally with like half of a second to go in the first round. So <clears throat> it was a nice darse for Kyle Dawkins over Jamie Pickett with literally one second to go in the first. So good win for him. Oh. Now we're getting into the good shit. <laughs> we got Jamal Hill <laughs> versus Johnny Walker. Oh, my gosh. So Johnny Walker was doing a good job early um, using that teep and using some nice long strikes. You know, Jamal Hill is a tall fighter at 6'4", but he probably doesn't fight too many guys who are 6'6", as long like Johnny Walker is. And he was doing a really good job of fighting tall. But then, <laughs> until he wasn't, right? And then mm-hmm. this beautiful, like almost like a check right hook just cracks Johnny Walker. It looked like right about the temple area. And he had one of the most unique and unusual responses to that. Like he was knocked on his feet, but he almost did like a pop-up and then fell backwards onto his face. Jamal Hill jumped on him, hit him a couple more times. KO in the first for Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Wowza. That was a way to fucking finish off that night. Man. Okay. So, Drea, that's our full recap of UFC Vegas 48. Let's go ahead and get your world famous Well, you know, I got to give it to our boy, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Um, Like you just mentioned, that right that Jamal landed, um, it seemed like it just grazed the top of his head, but it put Walker out on his feet. And it's like he, like you said, he popped up, he turned stiff as a board. He just fell straight backwards uh, to the canvas. It was a beautiful drop. Um, so my Dre's drop of the night goes to Rhino Gangs, Jamal Hill. Rhino Gang, 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 and Michiganiac, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Excellent. So our picks for UFC Vegas 49 that's coming up this Saturday. I'll go ahead and lead us off. I've got Armand Petrosian beating Gregory Rodriguez by second round ground and pound. That's GMP2 for Armand Petrosian over Gregory Rodriguez. What about you, feature player, Drea? I am going Gregory Rodriguez with a unanimous decision over Petrosian. Well, you're not going to hear me talk any shit about Dre's picks and mine being different because she kicked my ass yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it was only right because I kicked her ass last week, so there was no, right. there was no like, oh, you know, one of us is going to beat us by like one or two. No, no. Dre beat me like four to one last night. She fucking annihilated me. So. <laughs> All right, next one we're going to get into is at 125 pounds. I've got Priscilla Cachuera beating Ji Yan Kim by unanimous decision at 125. What about you? Um, going opposite C's, I got Ji Yan Kim with the unanimous decision. All right, moving into 155, I've got Armand Sarukian 
beating Joel Alvarez by a TKO in the third, also by ground and pound. What about you? Um, I'm with you on that one. I have Armand winning um, in the second with the TKO. Moving at 185 pounds, we got I've got Misha Serkinov beating Wellington Terman by unanimous decision. What say you? What feature play, Andrea? I am also with you on that one. I have Serkinov winning unanimous decision. And then Islam Makachev versus Bobby Green. I mean, come on, dude. Bobby Green came off of his couple weeks ago. <laughs> Stepped up late notice. I love Bobby Green. We're all real high on Bobby Green. I would love to see Bobby Green win. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't happen. think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got Islam Makachev winning by third round rear naked choke. I think Bobby Green is going to be tough, especially early um, with his great punches and combinations and his uh, his confidence. I think is going to be sky high. I, I love Bobby Green and most of us do. But Islam Makachev is a different beast right now. And yeah, mm-hmm. I've got RNC free for Islam Makachev in that one. What about you, Drea? I didn't call my specific sub, but I put Makachev uh, with the sub in the second, actually, not the third. Okay. Well, that's going to cover our main card for next weekend's UFC fight night. So let's go ahead and get our Twitter questions. And our first one comes from our girl, Jess, down in Texas. Jess, what do you got this week? What is next uh, for Hill as as an opponent with such an amazing win? So who I'd like to see next for Jamal Hill would be the winner of the March 12th fight between Thiago Santos and Magomed Ankalaev, right? I think that makes a lot of sense, not only rankings-wise, but just let's see you know, if Jamal Hill is ready for that next level sort of deal. I've seen both Vulcan Ozdemir and Dom Reyes names mentioned. Um, those would be great fights, too, and I would love to see them. But if you're really going to ask me like who I really would want to see, I want to see the winner of Thiago Santos versus Magomed Ankalaev. I think either way would be a striker's delight. And I think Jamal Hill has a great chance with any of them. So, yeah, that's my answer on that one, Jess. Thank you very much for asking a question this week. All right, let's get into our homie, the Rage of Sweet Potato from over in Canada Way. RSP, what do you got this week, my friend? Aside from Andre Arlovsky, only three men have managed to sustain a career with the UFC for over 20 years. Joe Rogan, Dana White, and Bruce Buffer. Rogan has openly stated in the past that he wouldn't be doing commentary forever. Dana and Bruce, however, both seem to be ride or die with the UFC. So my question this week is, who do you think is going to be the last man standing between those two? Dana or Bruce, and what do you think it will take to get either one, uh, either one of them out of their respective roles? So I think it's Dana for sure. I don't, I, you know, whether or not we love him, hate him, or indifferent about him, he is without a doubt synonymous with the UFC brand. Um, I don't see him ever stepping away or even being forced out by anyone. I think he is he is locked into the UFC for life. Right? Bruce is a little bit older. Um, he doesn't announce every card, right? We've seen Joe Martinez and some other people announce. I I don't think he'll retire anytime really soon, but I would say in the next few years, we'll probably see Bruce Buffer at least step back from doing as many or all the pay-per-views, right? I I do think that even when he does retire, we'll see Bruce come back for like big events, right? So let's say UFC 400 or 500 or whatever, right? I do think he'll come back to those, but I think for the most part, he will retire and then step away for the vast majority of fights. And I don't think Dana White, who I believe is 53 years old, I think we're going to see him for at least the next 20 years. I mean, I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's the only 
if I have to answer for sure, I think Bruce Buffer definitely leaves first. And I think Dana White is in it until the end. He's kind of like, he's going to end up being like the Vince McMahon from WWF. You know what I mean? And now WWE. <laughs> he's just going to be there until he can't, you know, physically walk anymore. It's going to be my guess. So great question as always, dear RSP, my friend. Oh, right. Let's go to our third question. Comes from the homie, the doc. Doc, what do you got this week, dude? What is a fight on the neck on next week's undercard that you think is flying under the radar and will be good? So, I, dude, I gotta be honest. I think Terrence McKinney and Fred I am. I think that's going to be a fantastic fight. I think they're really going to throw down for as long as it lasts. I know the kind of the the story with Terrence McKinney is he gets people out of there in the first round, and he very well could. Um, Ferez Zayem is a fantastic kickboxer and a really high pedigree. So I don't think it's going to be one of those really quickly inside the first 30 second kind of finishes. I think Terrence is a super explosive and I think he's going to hurt Ferez Zayem. I think Ferez Zayem is going to have his moments as well with his knees and with his inside elbows and with his leg kicks. So I think we're in for a fucking barn burner of a fight. I think it's going to be a really strong performance by both guys back and forth. So yeah, Terrence McKinney versus Ferez Zayem, I think is going to be fucking awesome. So that is my answer on that one, Doc. Thank you so very much. All right, Dre, we're going to go ahead and do our voice questions. I know our first one comes from the big homie, Jim Asun. It's actually two, but we're just going to put them together. So, Jim, what do you got this week, my friend? What is going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Uh, thanks for the reminder there, Rhino, because I would have forgot all about the questions. Um, the card was pretty good. You know, the UFC card was pretty good. You know what I mean? Not every fight, but hey, you're not going to get that every night, every fight. You know what I mean? We're just so fucking spoiled nowadays, you know? I remember we got one fucking card a month, even less than that. You know I mean, in the beginning, you know, like every three months, whatever it was, or something like that. I don't fucking know, man. Um, But fucking Iron Man, come on. Like, I, I was... I, I'm all over the fuck, but I'm fucking wrecked. But, um... I'm not going to get all this in, am I? I have to send you another one in. What's next for uh, Jim Miller, man? That was my uh, that's my quest for you this week. And you know it's always 420. I gotta send you another one. Okay, I'm back. Um, do you think Jim Miller has the most appearances on UFC posters, or is it Cowboy? Because you know Cowboy is so much more popular. You know what I mean? Um. I don't know who has it. We'll have to see, find out that. Because I sure as fuck ain't gonna find out. But I know somebody smarter than me with computer knowledge can do that shit. I would be interested to see who has been on the most UFC posters. You know? It's gotta be somebody that puts those type of numbers though, right? You know what I mean? Or is it someone like Khabib who fucking gets hurt all the time, has been on all these fucking posters, but didn't fight half the fucking time? <laughs> holy fuck alright I'm out of here man <laughs> it's always 420 kids peace so first part first I'd like to see Jim Miller fight the winner of Clay Guida and Claudio Puelas which is happening April 23rd <clears throat> so Jim Miller beat Clay really really quickly a few years ago back in 2019 and it was like in the first round like the first minute and it was a, he caught him in a submission so we didn't get to get that scramble fest that I thought would be really fun to watch between Jim Miller and Clay Guida. So if Clay were to win, I think we could see the two old dogs, you know, the two veterans going at it, which would be a lot of fun. 
if Claudio ends up beating Clay and Claudio gets the shot with Jim Miller, you got another young, hot prospect, you know, for Jim Miller to kind of take on and show the old school fighters work ethic in there. And I think that would be a really fun. And I think Jim Miller wins. So as far as as far as your second question, most poster appearances. Yeah, there is no I mean, I wasn't able to find out if anybody listening knows for a fact that, yeah, please. Please let us know who's been on the most posters, but I would have to guess it was either Andre Arlovsky or uh, Cowboy, like you mentioned. And then I thought, you know, possibly Anderson Silva, too. <clears throat> so I really don't know for sure. But, yeah, if anybody out there knows who's been on the most UFC posters, my guess is Cowboy, Andre Arlovsky, or Anderson Silva. So thank you very much, Jim. You know, we love having you on the show, OG. Thank you very much for your question. All right, Dre, I know our next one comes from the homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice. What do you got this week, brother? What's up, Rhino? It's Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano is set to headline Madison Square Garden on April 30th, I believe. Um, this is a fight that has been talked about for a while. People have wanted. It is historic in a couple of ways because I believe it's the first time that a woman's fight is headlining Madison Square Garden. Very fucking powerful. But it's also... The first time in at least women's boxing history um, where I think, you know, depending on how you rank them, like pound for pound number one versus pound for pound number two or three is are, are fighting each other. So um, I, I wondered if there was a fight in history where um, like that didn't happen, that you wanted to happen based on like, like, you know, to determine who the pound for pound number one is like in in boxing history or MMA history, what fight did you want to happen between pound for pound number one and pound for pound number two or three? For sure, dude. From like, what, like 2000 to 2005-ish, there were two heavyweights on the planet who everyone would kind of argue back and forth of who is the best. And that was either Randy Couture, if you were a UFC person, or it was Fedor the Last Emperor Emilianenko, if your name was Rhino. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think in that time, they really missed an opportunity to have Randy Couture fight Fedor Emelianenko. They were by far and away the two best heavyweights in the world at that time. Definitely pound for pound, number one and number two. <laughs> that that could be argued, right? But at least as far as the heavyweights go, it, it really would have sped up the popularity of, of the UFC and of MMA as a whole, right? Which we didn't get until after the first season of the Ultimate Fighter. That's when things really started to explode. I think if you're talking about 2000, 2001, 2002, that would have sped that up because I think everybody would have been kind of hyping that fight up and it would have been a, a really beautiful fight. Look at all this. Look at all the side stories that come out with it, dude. You've got two incredible fighters. You've got USA versus Russia, UFC versus Pride, wrestling versus Sambo, a gregarious, outgoing, you know, smiling Randy Couture versus like the stoic fucking last emperor, Fedor Emelianenko. It was all there. You really couldn't. Oh, Pride versus the UFC would have been huge just based on the fanfare between Pride fan people and UFC fan people. I mean, it was all there. It never happened. I really wanted to see it. I was I was really bummed when that never fucking came to fruition. And then obviously years later, it wouldn't have meant as much and it wouldn't have been as good because I think they were the two best, at least bigger guys on the planet. So, yep, we never got that fight, Juice. So thank you very much. Great question. And yes, I am very much looking forward to Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano at MSG. That's going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, guys, check out Juice and the Friendly Sparring Pod with him and Leo. It's an incredibly you know fun, um, out-of-the-box look at MMA and other things. So thank you very much, Juice. 
I know our third question comes from the homie Decrons. Decrons, what do you got this week, dude? Hey, Rhino, super late. Sorry, bro. Um, I just wanted to ask you about uh, Johnny Walker and Hill. That fight, incidentally, I went to sleep last night kind of like Johnny Walker. <laughs> Nobody hit me, but I felt like that. Um, what's next for Johnny Walker? Is he going to stick around the UFC for a while and keep smiling like Alvy? Or, uh, or is he going to get his walking papers soon? And what is next for Hill? He looks fantastic. I want to see him fight Ozdemir. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Love y'all. Rhino gang gang. <clears throat> right, buddy. So second part first, because um, I kind of covered the Hill part in uh, Jess's writing question. But the Johnny Walker question, to me, was more difficult to answer. Like, I get it. He's one in four in his last five fights. Normally, I'd be like, all right, the UFC is not the place for you, said fighter with a hundred, you know, one in four in your last five. But yes, Corey Anderson, good fighter. Krylov, good fighter. Thiago Santos, good fighter. Now Hill, they're all good fighters. But dude, I think Johnny Walker should get one more chance. And I don't know what it is about him. I don't know if it's his, a lot of fans love him because he's so silly and he's got his dancing and. He's so tall and rangy, and he's got a lot of upside to him. We've seen glimpses of it, but we have definitely not seen it sustained. Let's give him a fight in, in like, like a much lower-ranked fighter. Right? Just like I said, Anderson, Krylov, Santos, Hill, all really good fighters. Let's drop it down the line so we can kind of keep Johnny Walker for one more. If he gets starched again by like an unranked fighter, you, you got to give him his walking papers. You do. But I don't know. There's some reason I want to see him fight again. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's his goofiness or the dancing or the fact that he's so tall and, and can has glimpses of really incredible striking. I don't know what it is. But yeah, I want to see him have one more fight. So that is my answer on that one, D. Kronz. Thank you so very much, my dude. All right, Drea. Before we get into our 10 rounds with Rhino with Bellator Featherweight, Pam Bam Sorensen, let's get a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, everybody out there in podcast, we've got ourselves another fantastic guest joining me this week. Bellator featherweight Pam Bam Sorensen is going 10 rounds of Rhino. Pam, thank you so much for joining us tonight, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me. 
We are super duper stoked to have you on. So, Pamela, round one with Rhino is always the same. We love to get the background story. What's the origin story of how you first got this crazy, wacky world of MMA? You know, one day I just, um, like going back to college and, and whatnot, you know, I gained a lot of weight, got out of shape after being a, a big athlete in high school. And I was actually just kind of looking for a fun way to get back into shape. Um and I was like, oh, cardio kickboxing sounds kind of cool. And I actually kind of loved it. And then I tried jujitsu and I kind of loved it. So I don't know. Everything just kind of fell together after that. Fantastic. So as we're recording this, we're about three weeks out. The Rebellator 276 fight with Kat Zingano. How's camp been going for you uh, this time around? It's been going really well. Um, you know, I had a couple of little injuries from my last fight, which are completely healed up. Um, and change some stuff around so I can stay focused uh, during camp. So I can't, couldn't have asked for a better camp so far. That's awesome. Uh, I know for me being, you know, what a junkie I am when it comes to MMA. I remember you fighting Jessica Rose Clark. I mean, years ago at Invicta. I mean, that's how long I've been seeing you. I don't know how extensive uh, everybody else who's going to be watching Bellator 276 is on their watching. So, Cat, Cat's a very big name, but you know you've been there before. You have fought, you've and beaten, by the way, several very big names in the sport. Does this name or this, I don't know, fanfare of hers or her notoriety, does that play any sort of factor in, with you leading up to this, or is this just another name on the line? No, it's just another fight. Um, I've never been one to get to like starstruck or or anything like that. You know, a fight is it's just a fight. We're going in there, we're competing against each other, and I don't, I don't really care who it is or where they came from. Um, so it could be Kat Zingano or it could be just a, a nobody. A fight is a fight. Absolutely. Uh, so obviously you're not feeling any additional pressure for that. Uh, one thing I definitely wanted to bring up is that um, it, everybody who's on the show, whoever I have on the show who's also from the Midwest, I'm a real big proponent of fighters of the Midwest. You know, I'm from Detroit. You're from Minnesota. I've, I've had people on from Chicago, Indianapolis, Cleveland. I'm always a big you know, kind of hometown guy or for, for Midwest fighters. So I look at some of the, like the, the people who come from Minnesota, you're talking about Sean Shirk, UFC champion, Cole Conrad, Bellator champion, Brock Lesnar, of course, UFC, WWE and incidentally champion. There's something about the toughness of Midwest stock. Uh, you can go back to the wrestling. You can go back to a whole lot of things, but what do you think it is about us from the Midwest who have just this extra toughness when it comes down to combat sports? Gosh, you know, I think it's just, I think all of us in the Midwest, we can agree that um, that even if you go to the weather, everything for us is a little bit harder. And we're, you know, you go to Florida, they grow up knowing it's probably going to be warm all year round. And they're crying if it's below 35 degrees. And we're like, you get 120 degrees in the summer. And then we get down to 30 below in the winter. Like, I think we're just, we're hardy, we're hardworking and... We're just built different. I could not agree more. And I love the way you put that, built different. Um, not only have I seen you fight for a long time, Pam, but, uh, you know, in preparing for our interview, of course, I rewatched some fights. I saw some fights I had not seen before. There's a lot of aspects of your game which are really top tier, and I don't know if they get talked about enough. But the one that sticks out the most for me, well, there's two really that are tied. Your persistence. That is that is an aspect of your game I, I find to be 
at the very top of the list as far as the most impressive things about you. But the other one was is your cardio. You have a gas tank that I don't think gets either mentioned enough or referred to enough or even brought up as as one of your, the best aspects of your game. I think your cardio is as good or better as anybody else at featherweight in the entire world. And if you watch your fights, you see that in the cage. What do you attribute your incredible cardio to? <laughs> so back in high school, I started um, more like endurance sports. Um, so I was a cross-country skier, cross-country runner. Um, and after high school, I continued skiing and running um, marathons. So, I mean, I'm out there, or I was, I guess, back when I when I still did that kind of stuff. Um, I was out there running for, you know, sometimes four or five hours at a time or skiing for four or five hours at a time. So, usually, um, yeah, cardio is usually not a factor for me. You know, people use the word grinder to describe certain fighters, you know, with the the incessant takedown attempts or the cage grinding and whatnot. But when you see somebody who fights that way, oftentimes they might fight that way for a round or maybe a round and a half, but then you get to that late second, late third, there seems to be a slowdown. You never seem to have that slowdown. There never seems to be that proverbial wall. I mean, you have really be able to push through that pace all the time. And so if you're saying the endurance, you know, sports that you did before are probably the main factor of that, I'd, I'd have to encourage some other people maybe to look into doing that if they're going to look into getting into fighting, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at some wrestlers and people who come from other sport backgrounds, they're like always getting injured or they already have pre-existing injuries when they get into fighting and jujitsu and everything. Um, not to say that endurance athletes don't have any injuries, but it's, you know, we don't have like three different ACL tears that have been replaced. Um, <clears throat> over the last 10 years we we generally don't have injuries like that so i think we're a little um we're able to grind and um just not as injury prone gotcha so you know we we, we already mentioned bellator 276 coming up in a few weeks there is there's something to be said about the rankings now i've talked at length on my show previously that bellator's female 145 is the best are the best 145ers in the world. It's the deepest. It's the most talent rich. It is an incredible lineup that Bellator has at 145. Cats ranked number three. You're currently ranked number seven. I feel like if and when you get through Cat in this fight, you are absolutely, your name is in contention to take on Cyborg for the title. Do you feel that way as well? Is that something that enters your thought process or is it just kind of, I'm only singularly focused on this fight with Cat? What happens after that? We'll deal with it then. Um, I usually take things one fight at a time, but um, it is definitely at least crossed my mind that, because, you know, they were saying before um, our fight got booked, you know, their cat's going to fight Cyborg next, Cyborg wants to fight Cat, and um, so I think if I, if and when I go in and uh, take Cat Zangano out, hopefully I can take her spot in line. And we could possibly see Bam versus Cyborg. Oh, my God, what a banger that would be. Um so, yeah, basically what we've, we're moving into now in our next round is, is we're now we start to get away from kind of the fight talk. We're kind of getting into more more fun conversations, more what ifs. Um, so here's a question that I love to ask some fighters, and that's if you weren't in the fight game, if you weren't in the fight world, if combat sports was just not your thing, what do you think you'd be doing career wise at this time? I don't know. I'd probably be some sort of nerd. Because, you know, in college, I really like science and math classes. It's just that I never could figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I was pre-pharmacy, and I was like, 
decided that um, pharmacy school probably wasn't the route for me, but I'd probably be geeking somewhere doing, doing something. <laughs> <laughs> so math and science was the, uh, was the way to go. Hey, that, I believe that's an awesome thing to do. Um, so, okay, moving on to our next one. Obviously, we can't just train all the time. We can't just think about fighting all the time. We burn out, right? As I told you earlier, I was a pro fighter for a long time, and you re- it really helps your your fighting performance when you diversify things, when you take time away. So when you're away from the fight world, you're away from the cage, away from the training room, what are some things you like to do to relax, have fun, just kind of get out of that uh, brain, you know, get out of your brain and out of the fight world? Well, I really like to be at home. So <laughs> I spend a lot of time sitting at home with my dog. Um and if not, usually after every fight, um, my parents actually moved out to South Dakota. And it's not, it's only about like a five-hour drive from here. So usually after every fight, I drive out there and go spend a week or so with them and their little farm of dogs. <laughs> so just kind of chill at home with the dog or, or go visit your parents with the dog is a nice way to, to disconnect, you know what I mean, and get, get, get away from the fight world? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's pretty boring, but that's what I do. Hey, no, boring is good. I, I, I believe me, I love spending just time at home with my dog by, by myself as well. Um, so basically, we all know that we have to cut down. You know, we have to cut down for our weight classes. We have to kind of, you know, just, just keep things on the shelf. Don't you know, buy things. Stay away from drive-throughs. We really have to kind of cut down on our food and caloric intake. But after the fight's over, after that's all over, we get to go out and you really get to indulge, have something you haven't had in a long time. If and when you get through cat and it's after the fight, you've already won, it's time to hang out with friends and family and your teammates. What are you going to get and where are you going to get it from? Hmm. <coughs> Probably pizza. Pizza is usually like my my number one go-to. Um, and I'm... I don't know. I, I'm not really big on like brands or whatever, but I really like of, of all combinations. I like a sausage and sauerkraut pizza. Really? I've never had sauerkraut on a pizza before. Yeah, it's as long as cause I've gone to a place that threw the sauerkraut on cold, like after they baked the pizza, as long as the sauerkraut is baked onto the pizza, it's actually surprisingly good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That'd be something I have to look out for, for sure. So (laughs) bam, we have actually careened our way to the 10th round. The 10th round with Rhino is the easiest of them all. Just share your social medias with everybody so we can kind of keep tabs on you so we can follow you in your career as it progresses and we can all get on board the BAM train before this big, you are Bellator 276 fight. Um, on Instagram and Twitter and I think I'm on Facebook. I'm just Pam Bam Sorensen on all three. Pam Bab and fight fan. We've got ourselves quite the contender. I am super stoked that you were able to take time out today. I know you're you're in, you're in training clothes right now. You know what I mean? You you were really you were really right after training. This is when we got our time in, and I know you're working hard, and we are all really looking forward to seeing you fight at Bellator 276 in just a few weeks. Again, Pam, thank you so much. And we really look forward to seeing you fight that night. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. This is Pam Bam Sorensen, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Thank you so much, Pam. That was that was a really fun interview. I always love talking to somebody from the Midwest, and uh, we really look forward to seeing you fight at Bellator 276 versus Kat Zingano. I think this could be a great scrap. Really looking forward to it. So thank you again for taking the time. Oh, yeah, give her a follow on uh, give her a follow on social media. She's awesome follow, too. 
So I want to give our shout outs and our outro to our forum contributors, to our girl Jess from down in Texas, to the big homie Jim Asu, to the Rage and Sweet Potato, to my homie the Doc, to Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod, to D Crowns, to some other members of the Rhino Gang, <coughs> our girl Brat, my favorite Swede, Miss Fight Diva, Mike Morgan from Shots Fired Pod, the homie Cyrus King, Ashley the from the Silly Little Pod, but I was. Still like to say, actually, the MMA nerd. Uh, Chris from Unmatched MMA. Echo Mars, my fellow Michiganiac. All the ladies of the PRG, thank you for all your help week in and week out. To my underdog MMA fam, of course, Jillian, Chrissy, Monica, Katie, and Jason. To the, to the Rhino Gang GC, of course, Rhino Gang Gang Gang. To the feature player, Drea. To the best engineer in the biz, D-Range. To Dave Fretz. Oh, my gosh, you guys. I can't wait for you to see this poster of Pam Bam Sorensen. It is in incredible and it never ceases to amaze me how good Dave Fretz is the Einstein of gravity design check him out on Twitter and Instagram Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz unbelievable gravity design work so as we love to say over here at CSWR we hope you guys have a good week work hard be kind to one another love is greater than hate and we will see you next week Kate Sun